Hello and welcome to the Enterprise Talk Conversation Series, a peer knowledge resource by the CXOs for the CXOs. Now to our host, Kanika Goswami. Hi, Sandra. It's great to have you on the show with Enterprise Talk today. I really appreciate this opportunity to have this conversation with an expert on learning technologies and to understand how learning will evolve with the new normal that we are going to face. Uh, so if we can start with the first question, shall we? Of course. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So do you see any downsides to learning seamlessly across devices? Uh, that would mean, would you see any risks of security or data leakage when when learners are going to skip from one device to another in the same session or in, in different sessions? Do you think that poses any kind of risk anywhere? Well, that's kind of a, a lot there. Um, I think the answer is with any sort of technology and certainly in the learning space, there are pros and cons to having constant access and seamless learning experiences. On the one hand, um, you know, as a learner, I'm not going to have to worry that, you know, what I've done on my computer hasn't saved to my other devices. I'm not stuck um, to one device, particularly if that device is in the office or it's, it's not charged. Um, and so there's a lot of benefit to being able to access content from a variety of different sources. Um, the, the downside to this, and, and there are a couple, um, are you know, just any sort of uh, increased technology and, and movement of data from one platform to another just has some degree of inherent risk. Um, given the, the nature of the data that, that tend to transfer in learning environments, it's not certainly as risky as, as other uh, types of, of data, but that risk is always there. Um, I think the, actually the more significant risk of um, on-the-channel learning is, is not technological, it's actually emotional. Um, just like people are fatigued um, being home all the time uh, and fatigued being on constantly accessible to their employer, um, constantly having to think and or I guess see learning um, experiences on all of your devices at all times can just be emotionally exhausting. Um, there is something to be said for having a place where you learn and having a place where you do work and having a place where you do home. Um, not to say that, you know, having those silos are better than not having them, um, but it is something really for um, learning professionals to consider and then really be kind of aware of the potential for, for fatigue and uh, be kind of proactive about addressing that. Right, so when you say fatigue while learning, do you think it is having an impact on a skills training or any other kind of training for employees at this point in time, especially because they are already quite fatigued, you know, working out of home or not being able to attend, um, you know, kind of office spaces, which are, uh, which is a little difficult at this point. So um, do you think it is, it, it is posing challenges for skills training be, being imparted right now at this point in time? I mean, I think that a lot, almost every aspect of our life is being constrained uh, by the current situation, and learning is is certainly no exception. Um, people, you know, you, during stressful in, in, um, times, people already have limited bandwidth for 
for things like learning, even when they're highly motivated, um, when they, they see the need and, and, and the benefit. Um, there are just so many layers of stress that people are experiencing right now. Um, it's hard to muster the right motivation all the time. Um, I think on top of that, what's really a very important from a learning outcomes perspective is the perceived social support for learners. You know, we know that learners um, tend to be more successful when they are able to learn with others. Um, this is not to say, of course, that, that online learning is not important and, and helpful. It is. The research is, is very clear on that. Um, but there is a limitation to what can effectively be learned online. And I think that, um, you know, as learning professionals are kind of getting a lot more data coming out of this pandemic, I think it's going to become much clearer what aspects of effective learning can and should um, happen online through, through devices and what really does need to have some kind of live, real-time um, social engagement. Right. So, so with these kind of insights, how does uh, IPAM uh, help to mitigate that risk? How does it try to keep the continuity of learning or the or the motivation or the interest alive, even while you know we are feeling so down in so many other aspects of our lives, stuck inside our homes with you know there's a specter of the pandemic everywhere. Even if uh, uh, you know we are on the recovery, we still feel that it is extremely depressing at so many levels, as you said. So how does your organization help to mitigate uh, that risk and also the technology risk if you perceive any? Um. I'll do the, the quick one, I guess, first. So the technology risk is something that, of course, you know, we're very concerned always about data and security. Um, we are, are lucky that um, we have such a sophisticated enterprise-wide data security infrastructure um, that, you know, we, we don't see significant um, challenges here. We, we are constantly aware of and, and addressing any uh, potential concerns, um, but that's not something that is kind of a big red flag for us. Um, however, the kind of emotional challenges are um, for, I mean, for every company, of course, um, uh, but also a lot for EPAM because um, a number of our employees work in, in countries where there's, there's political risk and challenge on top of the health and, and, and you know, existing social challenges across the globe. Um, and so this this concept of creating a safe space for learning, um, really working to help motivate and, and help people feel supported is, um, is, a, is a big issue for us right now. Um, I've actually been incredibly impressed um, with how EPAM's senior leadership has responded to this crisis in general, um, but particularly as it relates to motivating employees. Um, right kind of when the pandemic started, um, there was you know, a, lot of, a lot of questions on a number of different fronts. But one of those was, you know, what are we gonna do if our employees are um, not able to be fully utilized because our clients are not sure what they're doing? Um, we need to find a way to keep people motivated, really to push their creativity um, and to essentially leverage this crisis in a way that ultimately results in better outcomes for individuals and for the company. Um, and so one of the things that I just really loved that 
that we did for our employees was set up a, um, not a competition really, but a, an environment, a campaign where we asked people to go learn something new that um, could benefit the company and to um, kind of present what they had learned and, and to take the best of those ideas and turn those into real products or real initiatives or real change activities. And there was such an incredible response to that from around the globe. Um, people, you know, on their own time went and taught themselves entirely new things, really researched and, and um, dug deep into, into areas that they may have been too busy to address previously or um, had recently stumbled upon. And the result of that was um, a significant intrinsic motivation um, for our employees at a time when motivation was, was, was really scarce. Um, and it's also translated into some, some really cool things that are benefiting um, EPAM and, and our clients now. Right. So I would um, have liked to ask you what kind of uh, new things your employees came up with, but it's not a part of the questions here. But if you are uh, okay to discuss, would you like to tell us some of the things that uh, you know the employees came up with as, as, as new learnings to help the organization? Of course, absolutely. There were um, a number of ideas for products that I know are, um, are being actively developed right now. Um, but some of the, the really valuable things that came out were, were things that really had to do with um, employees' um, sense of, of completeness as employees. So there were a number of social programs that were started, um, uh, particularly around families. So we, um, we had already had, um, we call it eKids, um, kind of a, a, a coding boot camp for the little ones. Um, and I think what was really very exciting about, um, about this pandemic was that it resulted in a lot more um, employees becoming aware of this program. The program actually got um, a lot of significant uplift. And now it has been translated into more languages. There's online versions of it. And we have a number of kids now, um, employees, uh, children, the children of clients and a lot of kids in our various communities who are taking this opportunity to learn to code um, and, and becoming really passionate about software engineering. Um, that's one of, of literally hundreds of different ideas and initiatives that came out of this. But it was something that I know people on my team got really excited about. Um, and it's it's been a, a really beautiful thing to see coming out of this, uh, this crisis. That's really interesting. And I'm like, so glad that I asked this question, even though it was not in the list. So we have something more interesting now. Now, the last question, is, uh, do you think at some point the learning delivery for employees will intersect with the skill needs of the companies and uh, you will achieve a kind of a balance? Uh, you know, between what you the, the skills that are required and the skills that are being imparted through these omnichannel uh, training tools. Have you reached that point or do you think you still have to reach there? Well, that's, that's a really great question. And it is, um, it is probably the most significant challenge facing any organization. Um, and this is because of, of a couple of different things. Um, number one is 
that the skills that are required for organizations to really be pushing their business models forward, the skills are constantly evolving, which means that the learning environment, the different channels, um, the different um, interaction opportunities constantly need to evolve as well. Um, but I think the other, and, and a probably like less appreciated challenge is the fact that when you're trying to align skills and learning opportunities, people need to think well beyond the technology infrastructures. Um, technology, you know, whether it's on your phone or your iPad or your computer, um, delivery of instruction is, is honestly probably the easiest part. Um, it's the thing that can, you know, be scaled very quickly. Um, it, it can be translated very easily. The, the delivery of content is the thing that most people focus on, but really it's the easiest thing. Um, and it's, it's equally important to think about how people are then applying what they have been taught. Um, the number one predictor of, of learning success is the ability to try out what you have been taught and get feedback from someone who is more expert, more knowledgeable than you are. Um, and that's where I think a lot of companies um, need to focus when thinking about how they are going to marry the skills that are required for their business success um, with their learning infrastructure. So what this means is um, the need for significantly more mentorship, um, more uh, problem-based learning opportunities, more um, documented experiential um, learning uh, opportunities and, and reflections. And so what I, what I hope that this pandemic um, will show us is um, a, a clearer idea of how to really arrange learning and, and document learning um, that's, that's more about capturing skills and less about delivering skill instruction. Yes, so that makes a lot of sense. But uh, what I'm, uh, you know, seeing behind what you're telling me is that learning is actually a moving target. There is just so much more happening at every point in time that, uh, you know, finally reaching the objective may not be your entire focus. You're, you are saying your focus is largely going to be whether your uh, uh, the skills that have been imparted are measurable and have outcome-based features in them. Is that right? Yes, I mean, so there's a couple of different things here. So one is, you know, identifying what skills are essential for business. And the second is uh, effectively communicating instruction on those skills. And then, of course, the third is um, giving people the opportunity to practice and get feedback and, and document those skills. Um, so each one of those things is um, is a bit of a different challenge. Um, I think that the first issue is kind of the alignment of the necessary skills with um, business strategy, that's a really interesting challenge. And it's one that many companies um, struggle with, you know, very significantly. Um, and it's something that, you know, really what needs to happen is a, a much deeper and richer and ongoing conversation between um, business leaders and learning leaders um, and, and increasingly technology leaders. Because what's, what's really necessary is that the business communicates with IT, like looking ahead three to five years, what is it that everyone needs to know? What in certain job functions is most essential? 
Um, and then the learning and development teams need to be able to take those kind of learning objectives, if you will, um, those skill matrices and translate those into um, learning opportunities, so instructional opportunities, um, as well as practice opportunities. And, and putting that kind of holistic ecosystem together um, is a big challenge for, for a lot of companies. And that's, and that's largely because historically business and technology and you know, human resources, learning development, they've all been pretty siloed. And um, what's, um, what's gonna be happening, I, I assume and hope in the next couple of years is um, a breaking down of those silos and, and a real shared dialogue around what skills are essential for the future of the organization. Yes, so, and I certainly hope that EPAM will be at the center of it when those silos do break down. And uh, as you said, after the COVID, uh, after the pandemic is over, you will be having more insights into what kind of things that, uh, you know, employees need to be trained on. And here is hoping that, again, EPAM is at the center of, uh, you know, where things are really happening. So I think we are done uh, here, uh, Sandra. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, really thank you, Karen, for arranging this. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you ladies. Have a wonderful day. You too, Karen. You have a wonderful day. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being with us. Please do follow us on social media for regular updates and new content.